Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, a Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Well, this is uh, Connecting Faith to Life podcast, episode 93. And before you leave the podcast today, I invite you to uh, make sure that people are listening on Facebook, Twitter, and I understand that it's all about the gram now. So Instagram, by text, or Pastor, you know, they could even use that thing called the phone and call and just remind people. Ain't nobody going to do that. I know, but I just thought I'd say that. Nobody's going to use their phone, Trey. Come on, man. Who uses a phone? You're right, man. There's other two, oh, too man. many ways to communicate now. But uh, anyway. I really like using my phone. I like talking to people. I'm a talker, too, I, so know, I like to talk. I tell my wife all the time. She's texting. She's sending these five-paragraph texts. I'm like, just pick up the phone and call. It would take you a lot less time. Amen to that. Amen. Man, 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 man. But, oh. you know, she's a wonderful writer, so works well, out for her. Well, Kelly does the same thing. Kelly is a text person, so whatever works for those ladies. I guess. I just think it's a lot quicker to pick up the phone and call. I, I do know that sometimes when you get on the phone with uh, certain people, they do take inordinate amounts of time Like talking to you, you, Trey. You take yeah. an inordinate amount of time. I do. Like you talk, right now. You know, you, I'm just kidding. You're, you're, you're a joy to talk to all the time. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Always well, a joy to talk to. I will remember that one. <laughs> anyway. Well, anyway, Pastor, that's a good way that our people can just uh, begin to make a difference in lives every single day day, you know, connecting family and work to the Bible and all that stuff. Yeah, yes, Wonderful things. Um, so I just read this quote uh, in preparation for today, and it's by a guy that's probably maybe or maybe not surprise you. He said, what people think of as the moment of discovery is really the discovery of the question. And that was Jonas Salk. And of course, Jonas Salk was the one that with the polio vaccine mm. destroyed that horrible, horrible plague on our world uh, by asking Good questions. Well, look at that. And uh, so I... Pulling out some guy I never heard of and giving me some history this morning. I like it. <laughs> anyway, that... I so, did not know that he was the polio guy. Yeah, he's the polio guy. And huh. um, anyway, so uh, what, I, what I'm saying, it, if we're to be the kind of people that, that our Lord Jesus wants us to be, then I think we also, and we do a lot of questioning. We have yeah. discussion questions and everything yeah. after our Life Connection groups. We need to be asking, and then this is the important thing, though. We need to be willing to answer the yeah. questions. yeah. That move us to what I call the next spiritually mature level or spiritual maturity level. So yeah, that's, that's part of self evaluation. Yeah, self evaluation is asking yourself the right questions, and so we want to ask some questions today around a specific topic. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, where are where are we today? Is it Genesis four? <laughs> yeah. So so if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, we just finished Genesis four this mm-hmm. last Sunday, and a familiar story, the story of Cain and Abel. Mm, very and so familiar. So if you've ever been to church before, you've probably heard this story. And um, but you know when we the thing I'm finding about Genesis today is that that a lot of us are familiar with the stories, but it's been so long since we actually study the stories, mm-hmm. we forget a lot of the details, or we're seeing things in these stories that we hadn't really thought about before. And I think that's the case with this particular story. I don't even think it's forgetting about the details. I don't think we've ever seen the details before. Yeah, yeah. We know maybe the gist you, of the story, but we don't get into there the you details go. of it. Absolutely. Because we've been told them so many times. Yeah, when we yeah. get to reading them, we just read them with what our Sunday school teacher told right, us in right, our brain. Right. So Yeah, so this one's interesting because um, what, what struck me about this story this time through it, and as we worked through it this past Sunday morning, was what happens after Cain is punished. Mm. So, so you have Cain 
punished and he's sent out as a wanderer and he settles, which is interesting. He's a wanderer, but he settles in the land of Nod and builds a city. Mm-hmm. You remember that, right? And so what you have at the end of Genesis 4 is the, the line of Cain, his mm-hmm. descendants. And then you have Genesis chapter 5, which are the descendants of Seth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so, so what we talked about Sunday morning is, is, is Cain, um, he, he represents in a lot of ways the seed of the enemy. Okay. Because of his godlessness. Yeah. And then you have Seth born, which represents the seed mm-hmm. uh, of God, the godly lineage. Because from Seth's line is going to be people like Enoch. Who okay. walks the Lord and was taken? You know that story, right? Don't you? Right. Uh, and and from Seth's line is going to come people like Noah. I was going to ask if Noah yeah, was his, from his line. So, okay. So you see, uh, you begin to see in Seth's lineage uh, that promise in Genesis three verse fifteen that God is going to send someone who's going mm-hmm. to crush the head of the serpent. You see that beginning to play out. In Seth's lineage. So it's really, really fascinating. You have two lines. You have the line of Cain, mm-hmm. uh, which in a lot of ways represents the line of the enemy. And then you have the line of Seth, which represents uh, the line of, of God, his godly lineage, right? Uh, so so all, all that to say, when you get to the end of Genesis chapter 4, we talked about this past Sunday morning, you, you have um, these descendants of mm-hmm. Cain. You have, for example, Lamech. Lamech is, is like 10 times worse than Cain was. <laughs> So, so you remember that story? I do. Uh, he, 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 one, he takes two wives. So he's the first polygamist. Or, I was going to say he married another woman so, first time. So, yeah. So he, he messes that up and then he kills a bunch of people and brags about it. And so it's, it's, it's just a really nasty tale. But in the midst of that story mm-hmm. of all these godless descendants of Cain, there's a lot of success. Cain wow. builds a city. Oh, yeah, I guess so. When you yeah, talk he about builds a city. Worldly, what yeah, we yeah, would yeah. call worldly success. Worldly success. And then you have one of his descendants is a nomadic herdsman. The first nomadic herdsman, whatever a nomadic herdsman is, that's what he was. It was a good thing. And then you had um, um, one of his descendants was uh, a blacksmith, iron tools. And, mm-hmm. and then you have one of his descendants is the first musician. And so from Cain's lineage comes all this what you would say, Trey, worldly success, civilization in a lot of ways. Culture. Booms. Culture booms from this godless generation Mm -hmm. of people, which is really interesting. I I never put all that together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you have um, the godly lineage, lineage, Seth, where where you don't see all that cultural development, Mm -hmm. but you see godliness. And then you have Cain's lineage where you see no godliness, but a lot of success. Wow. That's that's big. Yeah, I thought it was really really interesting, mm-hmm. and so so we bring that up because here we are, you know, thousands of years later, and we are a people who idolize success, mm-hmm. and it is quite possible to be very successful and absolutely godless at the same time. I agree, and 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 unfortunately that does that extends into every. I wish you could say that there are no pastors that are that way or no missionaries that are that way or people that, but I mean, it, it has affected all of us just it like has. sin has affected it has. all it's of affected us. It has. It's affected me. And, 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 yeah. and that's the thing is that for many of us, we'd much rather have success than we would faithfulness to our God. Mm-hmm. And and I think I've fallen into that trap. In fact, I know I've fallen in that trap where I, I became overly concerned about my successfulness and not as near as concerned as I should have been about my faithfulness mm-hmm. to the Lord. Amen. We've all been there, brother. Been there. It can be discouraging if it doesn't work. Yeah, like and, you and think here's it the should, thing, Trey. So. Here's the thing, and here's what I've learned in my years of ministry: I ain't always going to be successful, mm. but Not, I can always be faithful. 
You can be faithful. I'm not always going to be successful, but I can always be faithful. And I think a lot of it is, you know, when people, uh, having been in the ministry, and I was thinking about you and I together, you know, we both, you always talk about how long I've been in the ministry, mm-hmm. but really you've been just about there as long as I have. Yeah, I've you been know, for a while now. Yeah, yeah so, years. so um, you know, the whole thing is, is that uh, we have, feel this pressure we do. From our little preacher's culture, yeah, our pastor's do. culture, we do. We do. to be able to go to the meetings and say, oh, yeah, we had X amount of people. Oh, yes, Easter was the biggest, you know, yeah, da, 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 yeah. da. We have all that pressure. Um, and I, I actually decided a long time ago, I fought against that uh, because every time, you know, they would have this, how's it going for you? And they meet personally and they would have to come up with all these numbers, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just felt like I said, well, it's going well. Let me tell you what's going on in my life and yeah. pray for me, that type thing. And Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, ministry is, is not that much different. The mm. ministry world is not that yeah. much different than the business world. We, we measure budgets. We mm-hmm. measure people. We measure, we've got all these metrics that, that, um, we use to determine how successful we are. Uh, so if you were to go to a business conference, you would probably do that. And if you go mm-hmm. to a ministry conference, it's the same thing. We're comparing mm-hmm. yeah. who's doing who's doing better than who, and it, it's it's really sad. And so I, I, I've told you my story, Trey. You've heard me talk about my story quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, my my last church was a great church. People there I loved dearly, and who loved me dearly. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as ministry success. Um, it wasn't something I talked about a whole lot because I didn't have much to talk about. Yeah, yeah. If I if I went to a ministry conference while I was at my previous church, I didn't want to talk about what was going on in my church because there wasn't much going on. It didn't seem to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a, it was a very difficult season of ministry. We um, it, w- it was a very historic church. Very um, a church been around for a very very long time. And and man, when I got there, I was thirty one years old. I thought I could, you know, lead that church yeah. to you know new heights and to you know, be the, the biggest church in the area, all those kinds of things. And it just never happened. Yeah. In in the seven years I was there, the church decreased in attendance, mm. not increased. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't for, you know, a lack of trying. It wasn't like I was lazy, right? It wasn't you told like us a, some yeah. of the things you did, yeah. which were amazing things. It wasn't things. like I wasn't yeah. sharing the gospel or leading. I mean, I was doing everything. I was putting in all kinds of hours, doing all I could to try to help move this church forward. In a lot of ways, it moved forward spiritually, mm-hmm. but just numerically, and those things that we typically measure yeah. as, as signs of success just never happened. And it was discouraging and frustrating. And, you know, God, I'm doing all I can. Why aren't we seeing more movement, mm-hmm. you know? And and, and on top of that, there were just other issues. You know, there were, every church has, has their challenges. We have our challenges course, at Northwood. Yeah. Every church has its challenges. But there were just, there were a lot of, over the years, just a lot of personal attacks that weighed on me. Yeah, a lot of hurts. questioning of my leadership, especially yeah. when we weren't growing. Yeah. You know, why aren't we growing like the church down the street is? And it must be your fault, Pastor. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> and who knows? I probably was doing something wrong, but whatever, course. you know? We all um, do. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a very difficult time. And it was a time where, you know, I looked at my life and I said, you know what? I'm just not very successful. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a season there. It wasn't a long season, but it was a season um, where I strongly considered doing something else other mm-hmm. than ministry. Said, I must be in the wrong place. Must, must be, be wrong, doing the wrong right, thing. Must be doing the wrong yeah. thing. You know, yeah. I can go, you know, sell cars or sell insurance or go be a stockbroker or something else. This, this just ain't, this ain't my gig because apparently mm-hmm. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> It's not working out, you know, and and so so man, it was a, it was a dark time. There was about a year or so that was just a really really dark time, mm. and you know, and, and Stacy can tell you, you know, she can say she can tell you that she can see a change in me, uh, just being here at mm-hmm, Northwood, mm-hmm. where things have been a little bit different than uh, what it was at the previous place I ministered. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just it's just 
And, and so, so I think especially for us men, mm-hmm. we, we put a lot of stock in success. Mm. If we're not successful, then there's something wrong with us. But the thing is, Trey, is that, that when God looks at you and me, he, he's not measuring our successfulness He's measuring our faithfulness. Wow, that's good. And and so that's so good. you know, that's what we were reading a book right now as a staff um, that I read during that that season of ministry that really helped me to work through that, mm-hmm. you know, and understand that that ministry isn't about how successful I am. Mm-hmm. It's about me just doing what I know God's called me to do, and yeah. let let God um, worry about the results, and let God bring the harvest and the fruit as He desires to do so. You mm-hmm. know. Um, but as a man, that, that's hard because we oftentimes find our identity in what we've accomplished, right? Yeah, we like to have that list. You know, this is what look I've done. Look at what I've done. We like to have that spiritual resume. You look know, at what this, I've done exactly. rather than look at what God's done, look at what God's doing to me. So that's where I want to get into these three questions. Okay, I think these good. three questions are going to help us to kind of work through this idea of, of successfulness versus faithfulness. All these right. questions we need to ask ourselves. All right. Well, we're going to talk about three questions today. And the first one is this, what defines you? It's a big question, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's because whatever defines you is going to be what you live for. Mm-hmm. And so for some of us, when, when we, and, and we've talked about this before, Trey, when, when you meet a, another man, what's one of the first questions you ask? What do you do for a living? What do you do? Yeah. Why do we ask that? Because that's how most people define themselves. That's how we identify ourselves yeah. by our career. Yeah, I'm a doctor, or mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a mechanic, or mm-hmm. I'm a school teacher, or I'm a whatever it might be. We we put a lot of, of stock in what we do, and, and we identify ourselves oftentimes by the job or the career that mm-hmm. we have. And and there's nothing wrong with being proud of your career and and what you've accomplished and all those kinds of things. But but at the end of the day, what you do is not the most important thing about you. That's right. And, and, and here, here's the reality. If, if what you do is the most important thing about you, right? Mm-hmm. If you fail in what you do, then you're going to be devastated. Mm-hmm. You see? Because I, I remember, you know, that time I had at my previous church, I felt like I failed at what I did. Mm-hmm. And so I felt devastated because for a season, my identity was built on my career. Mm-hmm. I'm a pastor. People who know me, that's what they know me as, pastor. Mm-hmm. And so my identity was not child of God, right? My identity was, or I was m- making my identity pastor. That's who I am. And so I've got to be really, if this is who I am, I've got to be good at this. Well, and I would say also, add, we get to the point where we say, I need to be a successful American pastor. <laughs> you know, I, I oh, look absolutely. at, yeah. I, we, we've been watching, because I have a wife, all these British shows, and oh. they have their little pastor that walks around and takes care of people and all those things, and they're totally content, you know, doing that. <laughs> Nobody cares how big his church is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, whoever shows up shows up, yeah. and uh, you know, you just uh, do what you're supposed to do yeah. and do do it as as well as you can. But yet, in our in our situation, and and some of it has to do with being a Baptist, I will say, because our churches are defined by who is coming to Christ, because yeah. we are one generation away from from extinction. Every yeah, single yeah, church yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, because of regenerate church membership, so there is some kind of spiritual drive, but we, I think, we've abused that that understanding of what uh, you know, what we're supposed to be as, yeah. as pastors. Yeah. So just understanding for all of us, whether you're a uh, in ministry, whether mm-hmm. you're you know working at a bank, uh, what whatever your your um, life vocation is, that's not what defines you. Mm-hmm. What should define you is who you are in Jesus. 
at the end of the day, what's the, the most important thing about you is not that you're a good worker. It's not even that you're a good husband, a good wife, a good mother, a good father. All those things are important, mm-hmm. right? And you need to be a good worker, a good father, a good mother. But the most important thing about you, if you're a follower of Jesus, is who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Because I, at, the, at the end of the day, that's the only thing. That is the only thing in your life that's eternal. Mm-hmm. It's your relationship with him, not think your of, job. Think about Paul. I mean, when they asked him what he did, he would talk about him being an apostle of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He didn't say, oh, I'm a tent maker. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, we know he's a tent maker, but that's not how he defined yeah, himself. Yeah, Paul, to live is Christ. Yes. That's what defined him. Mm-hmm. And, and you and I, we're going to find the most contentment in life when, what defi- when, when we're defined by who we are in Christ more than we are defined by what we do or you know, our family or whatever the case may be. Amen. So the first question then is what defines you? In other words, uh, what you live for and all those things make that difference. Second question, though, and I think this is a huge one, and that is what drives you? Yeah, what gets you out of bed every morning? Yeah, exactly. When you get up in the morning, what, what, what is the goal? What is it that you want mm-hmm. most out of the day? What drives you every day to keep on going? Mm-hmm. Some people aren't driven at all. Yeah, just you know what I'm saying? I mean, what, some people are like just have have no drive, don't want to get out of bed or don't want to do anything, want to sit around and play video games or watch TV or whatever the case may be all day long. Some people have no drive. And then there's some people who live in overdrive. Mm. They can't slow down, right? Uh, but but the question is, what drives you every day? And again, uh, for some of us, it is career. That's what drives mm-hmm. us every day. We want to climb the ladder and make the money and all those kind of things. For others, it, it's family. And again, those are all good things. But but what should drive us every day is that desire to live out the purpose that God has given mm-hmm. us. When I wake up every day, right, I want it to be for me to live as Christ. What can I do today to bring glory to Christ, to um, be a blessing to others, to be an encouragement to share the gospel. Uh, those kinds of things should drive us because, again, those kinds of things are what going to are going to ultimately be what gives us contentment and satisfaction. So, what defines you? Mm-hmm. And what drives you? Paul, I think again, going back to the Apostle Paul, he talked about his goals. Yeah, and they were never. I hope that I make more money, more tents, more whatever it was that he was doing in his daily job. And yet, we are. I remember going to a success. Um, thing, you know, Zig Ziglar type thing, and they tell you how to do it, and you put your, whatever your goals are in life, you put them in front of you. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, very yeah, good at that, because yeah. all my goals were so totally different. Yeah. So I said, this didn't really help me, you know, because even even as a salesman, my whole goal was to honor, I wanted to honor Christ. Yeah. I wanted to uh, be a witness and share the gospel and all those things. <laughs> I put those up on my desk, yeah. you know. I didn't put the Porsches like all the other salesmen yeah, yeah, yeah. did and all this other stuff. So, you know, m- and I, not that I'm perfect. I mean, I, I did want nice things, but the point is, is that it, that is that, that drive is such a huge yeah, thing, yeah. So, you know. And I, I I have to ask the question then, for those people struggling right now with that, because mm-hmm. there are people right now that are listening to this who have the big house and the good education and all those things as being the things that drive them, and they're not finding fulfillment in yeah, it. Yeah. You know. So then, how do they take the next step to say, okay, where do we go? To get the to to have the right drive, the right purpose. How yeah. do we how do we start that yeah. process? Well, I think part of it is just recognizing that I'm not fulfilled mm-hmm. and being honest about that. Yeah, I think you've achieved good. it. You've achieved the educational pursuits. You've achieved the uh, career advancement. You've achieved the financial goals. You've achieved all that. Mm-hmm. But where has that left you? Are you satisfied? And the likelihood is, is that, you know, you're still looking for something. Mm-hmm. And so just being honest about that, that I've gained all this. Even Paul said that, and, you know, in Philippians chapter 3, uh, 
I've gained everything. He gave his, his resume. Yeah, incredible and he's, resume. And I count all loss because I found that there's something better. There's something more lasting. There's something that brings far more joy and satisfaction, and, and it's Jesus. And I give all this up just to know him. And so it's recognizing that, you know, what you have, what you've obtained, what you've gained, it hasn't brought you what you've been looking for. But but there is someone who can give you what you're looking for, and his name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and we hear it all over and over, Trey, uh, from people who come to our church. They get plugged into a Life Connection group. They get plugged into the discipleship group, and, and they start to begin um, to grow just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And once they start to begin to grow a little bit, it's like, man, this is the best thing ever. I, I, <laughs> I've never seen you know this in Scripture before. I've never experienced this before. Man, I just want more of this. Amen. I, I've heard that testimony over and over and over again over the years from people who have been successful in life, whatever the case may be, and then for whatever reason, you know, uh, well, because the Spirit's working their life, um, begin the process of, of spiritual growth, and all of a sudden it's like, man, I, I found what, what really matters. Mm-hmm. I've I found a new passion. And, and that comes from you know, intentionally putting yourself in a place to experience what God wants to do in your life. So when, when we talk about driving, we are talking about that passion. We're mm. talking about that thing that just uh, really, you know, locks us into who we want to be. And, I mean, the things that excite us, the yeah. things that, yeah. that we want to be a part of and all yeah. those, if I could just, you know, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. And um, I think so much, of, so much of our life is adjusting to uh, those around us to kind of fit in with their passions mm-hmm. because we're concerned that maybe – you know, whatever is going on, and we want part of that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, sometimes we have lost that, for instance, my father-in-law, he worked at the Navy Yard his whole mm-hmm. life, but he had a passion to serve Christ. Yeah, Working absolutely. at the Navy Yard, sewing, he was a, a sailmaker and sewed a lot, hmm. and um, that's what he did. But you would never know it by being at church. I right. mean, he loved the Lord. He shared the gospel all the time. He was a Bible teacher. You know, all those things yeah. were a part of his life, and that was his passion. It yeah. wasn't working at the Navy Yard, yeah. although he made good money there. It was, you know, it was other things. It was yeah, it was Jesus. Lord. Absolutely. So what defines you and what drives you? All right. So number three, and uh, we'll, we'll end with this one, what amazes you? Yeah, I don't think we think about this a lot, but but at the end of the day, what is it that captivates your mm-hmm. heart? Mm-hmm. What what is it that you stand back and look at and say, "Wow, that really is amazing." And again, for some of us, it's it's the worldly things. Mm-hmm. We're amazed by, um, you know, that 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 person who has a million dollars in the bank. Man, look how wealthy he is. Man, that's amazing. I I got to get there, or whatever the case may be. What is it that captivates your heart? It, it could be, you know. Uh, sports, man. Mm-hmm. I know those people athletes, that way. Amazing. Wow. I just want to. Yeah. The, the, a lot of us have are captivated by lots of different things, and and again, it's it's like these other questions. Whatever whatever amazes you is what's going to get your devotion. Mm. We devote our things. We devote ourselves to what amazes us. Mm-hmm. We devote our affection. We devote our love. We devote our attention to what amazes us. That's just the way it works, right? And so what amazes you? And, and so, so the reality is the more you're amazed by God, the more you're amazed by his grace, the more devoted you're going to be to him. And, and at the end of the day, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what God desires from us. His desire for us isn't that we, you know, try to please him through, through works and deeds. His desire for us is that we are devoted to him because of what he's done for us. His desire is that we see how amazing his grace is, and in response to that grace, 
we devote our love, our attention, our affection to him. So what amazes you? Are you amazed by his grace? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That kind of changes what we think about the song Amazing Grace. We should be focused and centered and looking to and amazed by and overwhelmed by the grace of God. Yeah, That's what that song's all about. Absolutely, absolutely. Amen. Yeah, so I mean, I think this is just interesting to to ask ourselves these questions because I think for, for many of us, you know, we might not want to admit it, but but we find ourselves much like the lineage of Cain. Mm. Successful, yeah. but not faithful. Accomplishing a lot, making good contributions to society, um, expanding culture, good things. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of emptiness in our walk with the Lord. You think about that, that line of Cain, very successful, but eternally lost. Mm. Right? You think about that line of Seth. We don't see all the successes there in Seth's line, but we see a godly line. Mm-hmm. Enoch walked with the Lord. I mean, think about that, Trey. Enoch walked with the Lord, and then he was not. Wow. God took him. Noah, right? The faithfulness of Noah in, in, in perilous times. Uh, you know, from that lineage is going to come Abraham, mm-hmm. and, and on down the line to, to King Jesus. And if you look at that, that lineage... It might not be the worldly success that Cain's line saw, but you see success in their walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And God used these men and women uh, to do amazing things because of their faithfulness. You know, one thing about their faithfulness that uh, I'm sure you're probably going to get into, but they lived a long time. Yep. So they weren't, <laughs> you know, they weren't, they weren't, it wasn't just faithful for our little lifetime. I mean, they, they were, you know, Moa, Noah, Moa, Noah had to be faithful waiting on the rains yeah, hundred years. for hundreds of years. years. Yeah. It was amazing yeah. to think about yeah. that. And so there was great faithfulness there. Amen. Yeah. So your faithfulness is far more important than your successfulness. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, this has been really good. And I think that uh, this has been some good questions to ask. And uh, y'all, you need to get out there and start asking these questions and then start answering them. That's right. All right. That's, that's, right. that's what that's we need right. to do. That's right. All right, Pastor. Why don't you close us and uh, get us ready for next All week? All right. We do hope this has been helpful for you today and an encouragement to you. If it has, go ahead and hit that, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can have new content. Content. I can't talk anymore, Trey. I don't know what's going on. I'm getting all tongue-tied. Nervous. You're making me nervous. You're sitting across from you, and your golden voice makes me nervous every time we do this. So let me try that again. If this has been helpful for you and you want new content delivered to your device every single week, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That helps get the word. I still am getting tongue-tied. I don't understand. We're just calling it done. Hit the music. Leave a review. That helps us out. See you next time. Peace out. Word to your mother. <laughs>